Welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 5, Episode 17. We just have a few more episodes until the end of Season 5, and we have a couple really great episodes ahead I'm looking forward to sharing with you. But today I'm going to be talking about something personal. Well, sort of personal. It has to do with the Italian farm that I have been searching for. Those of you who have been listening to this podcast since the beginning probably feels like forever. It does feel like a long time to me too. So I'm not going to get into all the reasons why in 2021 and a good portion of last year we weren't able to really go look at properties due to the pandemic. That's already a known factor. But really starting last year is when I really got pretty serious about searching for this farm. Now, those of you who are, and I know many of you are, currently searching for property here in Italy, many of you are looking for a place that is a vacation home, kind of a lock and leave apartment situation. Some of you are looking for a villa that you want to to sort of live in part of the year and then Airbnb the rest of the year. And some of you are looking for a place you're going to be living in the majority of the year and only going back home for visiting family and loved ones. So we've got people in all different situations here. And then we have people just dreaming of doing this sometime in the future, hopefully the not too distant future. So you probably fall into one of those categories. I would venture a guess that not very many of you are looking for a farm. And that's probably because you are smarter than me. (laughs) But as you know, I'm a farm boy at heart. And the idea of gardening and growing my own fruit and vegetables, having some animals, having some chickens. The more I think about it, having animals is actually something I'm really excited about. Like making cheese, maybe raising my own animals for meat. Like just so many different things that I'm thinking about. And as my idea about this farm has been evolving, I allude to it a lot in this podcast, but I don't really talk about what's going on because there's not really a lot going on. But recently, I was going through some notes that I've been making, and I realized that I've never shared this with you, and this will answer several things. It'll answer a question which we probably don't really have anymore, which is how crazy I am. But it will also answer why it has taken me so long to find the specific piece of property. Because I realize I have a probably like a 12 item list of things that that are almost deal breakers. And so I have them kind of in no particular order on a list. I, I make a lot of lists. I'm not the most organized human being in the world, but for some reason, I guess, just to help clear my mind of clutter, I I tend to write things down a lot, and I write them down wherever I can, but I find that since I have my phone with me most of the time, writing things down in a list form on my phone is a great way to do it. It's, I do a lot of things to do lists. It's about the only way I can really get through things is if I have a, a list and I can sort of check things off. It, sort of forces me to be organized. This, of course, is a different type of list. This is a, I don't want to say wish list, but I suppose that's probably the closest thing to what it is. It's sort of like things that I want to have on a piece of property that I intend 
to own and live on for the rest of my life. And, you know, barring that the world completely loses its mind, I still, even if the world does lose its mind, in fact, that's kind of part of my plan. If the world continues to lose its mind like it seems like it's doing, I would like to be somewhere that can be a place of peace, a place that can sort of do what land really is supposed to do and what land does when we don't ruin it, which is to give back to us. We take care of the land and the land will give it back to us. Part of the reason why I was excited about finding a farm in Italy in the first place, not just because Italy is beautiful and we already know all the things and all the reasons why we love Italy. Italy has not really ruined their land uh, the way the United States has. I grew up with farmers If I were to say that (laughs) the land that my family is growing crops on was ruined, they would like seriously have a problem with me. So I'm not trying to say that. I do see both sides of the argument here, but commercial farming just simply does things to the land that I didn't want to have to deal with. So that was one of the main reasons why buying a farm in Italy was so important to me. So I'm going to share with you this list of items and sort of explain each one and why it's important to me. And then you'll understand why I, we've sort of been on this sort of journey that's been at least, it's been over a year, but it's been, it's been in my heart for a number of years. But the serious looking has started just in the past year or so. The name of this list in my phone is What Do I Want on My Little Italian Farm? (laughs) And I created this just last month. This was something that I knew in my mind that I wanted, and I just had never written it down so that I could actually visualize it. So it's all stuff that I knew, and I added a few different items, but these are the things that I really wanted to find in a piece of property. The first one on the list, and this one probably is number one, is running water. I grew up in California, as you know, which is a very dry place, and there are rivers that run through California, but if you don't live near a river, California is basically a desert. And if you don't have the the benefit of being a farmer and bringing in irrigation water from all the snow that's supposed to be melting off of the Sierra Mountains and going into the reservoirs and into the lakes and into the streams and rivers, that's how California gets watered. But if you don't have that in California, California would just be a desert. That's what California was before agriculture took over and people populated, especially the Central Valley of California, which is where the majority of so much of the food in the United States and the world comes from. It's just huge amounts of food comes from that area thanks to water. So I grew up with this this sense of the value of water. That's why to this day, I still get excited every single time it rains because we never got enough rain in California. It felt like it just won't rain in California from about April normally all the way through until November. It's just dry without a drop of rain. And and so the idea of having a stream or a river on my property or running through my property is something that's always been so important to me. And I got to experience that for the first time when I lived in New York. 
as you may remember, I haven't talked about New York for a long time, but you might remember that my property in New York was a several acre piece of property. It was kind of an unusual piece of property in that it was so close to Manhattan. It was just about a 25 minute drive up the Hudson River on a little piece of land with a tiny little bit of forest, wonderful little stream that ran through it and had all kinds of little creatures living in the stream. And that was my first experience of living on a piece of property with water on it. It had been a dream of mine, and I sort of realized that dream for the first time in New York. And I was like, this is amazing. I I can't live anywhere ever again without water on the property. So that became one of the number one things about, if not the number one thing, uh, about finding a piece of property here in Italy that had running water on it. The next one was also almost as high on the list, and that was to have a working well on the property. In other words, a well that's off-grid, meaning it's not part of the the municipal water system. It's where you can basically have your own water right out of the ground. I grew up drinking water out of a well. I did not drink city water as a child, so we didn't have fluoride in our water. We didn't have all the chemicals that that are in water, you know, when you're in the city. And there's something about drinking water out of the ground that it tastes so good. And even though California is a very dry state, there is water, there is groundwater. And so I just, to this day, my parents still have the same well on their farm. They have several wells and the one that feeds the house is still just the most delicious water ever. I know what it tastes like. If somebody were to give me a lineup of different waters, I would probably be able to pick it out of the lineup. And so having a well on the property was very, very important to me. The next one was to have a bit of forest. That's what I wrote down. A bit of wild forest is specifically what I wrote. And what that means is part of the land that had trees growing on it and basically nature living there, undisturbed nature, not just the, the animals and the insects and the birds, but also the plants and the trees, the flora, the fauna, just nature untouched. I wanted to have a place that I could go to that I would never disturb, that had never been disturbed, never had been cut down and cleared, but a shady spot and an area that I can really feel the seasons changing. Of course, you can feel the seasons change in a big open field of grass, but there's no place in the world that you can truly feel the seasons change as you can in a forest. And the wonderful thing about forests in Italy is that they're kind of a mix. There are several different types of forests here, and sometimes they sort of blend together. There are conifers and evergreen trees, like pines and spruce and junipers and, and you know, things like that. And then there are hardwood trees that are deciduous that lose their leaves in the winter. So that would be, you know, a lot of oaks and maples and alders and just so many different of those type of trees. And so hardwood forest and an evergreen conifer type forest the idea of having kind of a blend of the two of those, or maybe just one of each, or whatever, some version of a forest. 
How do we really notice when the seasons are changing? We notice because the trees and the plants around us tell us. We can feel the temperature changing, but we really sense it as we look around. And of course, because I'm a horticulturist and I'm a plant nerd, I am always scanning the horizon anywhere I am, whether I'm in a city, whether I'm in the country or, or wherever I am, I'm always looking at nature. And we all are, whether we realize it or not. You might not be scanning it with the same sort of exact understanding as someone who has studied it all their life, but you instinctively, you know that nature is talking to you. We just have all these clues around us all the time from nature. And I wanted to have a place I could go there and I could just feel nature and I could spend time just connecting with God's green earth. And so that's number three on my list is a little bit of wild forest. Number four is a property with some views on it. So in other words, a place that I could look out and see from different vantage points, see into the distance. And that could be just seeing to some other hills. That could be being on a hill and looking out over a valley. That could be looking into the distance and seeing a city. You know, and of course at night you can see the lights from a city. During the day you see the city. If you're near big mountains, you can see snow on the mountains in the winter. And you just sort of, uh, the ability to see further out from where you are rather than being sort of confined with just one small view. That's one of the reasons why I have such a hard time with city living because the views are just not there. That's maybe why every single night, besides the fact that it's good exercise, I walk up to the castle and halfway up to the castle, there's this panoramico, which is exactly what it, what it sounds like, a panoramic view of the city. And on clear days, you can see all the way to Venice. And I feel very, very good when I get to a vantage point in the city where I can look out and I can see the city and the vineyards and the countrysides beyond the city just, just stretching out in front of me. And so views are very important. Okay, the next item is a very specific one, and it, I wanted something that was at least 10 acres. 10 acres is, for me, the minimum now, that might sound like a lot to somebody who grew up in town, in a city, but I grew up surrounded by not only my dad's orchards, but my grandfather's and my uncle's had orchards uh, neighboring us. And my dad was also in charge of farming a lot of the land around us, even this, the land that he didn't own, he was asked to, to manage that. My siblings and I grew up being able to ride horses or ride motorcycles or ride golf carts or, or walk or run or just sort of get lost going in different directions. So I grew up having the freedom to move out in a distance and explore and not feel like, oh, I can't go past this because that's someone else's properties. Having at least 10 acres was important because I wanted to have some forest. I wanted to have some water on the property and I wanted other things. And so a minimum of 10 acres is what I've been searching for. So I tend to find two different things. I tend to find things that are hundreds of acres or thousands of acres that are just enormously expensive and too, really too large for what I need. And then I tend to find places that are just too small. To find medium-sized pieces of land 
it's not easy. So you can already see with just these five items that I've just mentioned, running water, a working well, a bit of wild forest views, and at least 10 acres of land, you can already see that my options are getting very limited. But we're only like, we're not even halfway through this list yet. Okay, so the next items are these. First, I would like to have a stone house. And I've always dreamed of having a stone house. And I just think that there's no place in the world that does stone houses more beautifully than Italy. Europe in general tends to do stone houses pretty well. There's wonderful stone houses in Scotland and England and France and all over, but the stone houses in Italy are very unique. They're very rustic in a different way. They're sort of rambling and rustic in a way that, that are not quite, they're not quite like that in other parts of Europe. And so a stone house was really important. Not a deal breaker, but certainly a wish list item. So another item is a barn or other outbuildings that I could use and sort of transform them into different things, whether it's transform them into living quarters or transform them into maybe a studio or just different things or maybe just use them for farm purposes. So to be able to have barns or outbuildings was really important. Not a deal breaker probably, but really so amazing to have an old barn or even a new barn some sort of a building and a lot of properties in Italy do have outbuildings which is really nice. The next one is another wish list item but would be so lovely and that is to have an olive grove and that could be an olive grove of 10 trees. It wouldn't have to be an olive grove huge. It just needs to be a place where I could you know where I could harvest olives and make oil out of them or just turn the olives. I know how to cure olives. My One of my great uncles in California, my uncle Floyd, taught me how to cure green olives with lye and salt. You can do it with just salt. You can do it with lye and salt. There's different methods, but I did that in California. And there's just nothing like cured green olives, salted cured green olives, just nothing else. You use the lye to pull the toxins and to pull the bitterness out. And then you just do this sort of continuous rotation of salt water. And then you eventually just put them in fresh water and then the back in salt water. Anyway, it's a wonderful thing. I just can't wait to do that with my own olives. So having a little olive grove is another important thing to me. Okay, so one of the next items is something that's kind of a little bit ambiguous but basically i'm looking for a piece of property that is not finished manicured and perfect i'm looking for something that i can breathe a new fresh life into and sort of bring it back from a place of maybe abandonment even a piece of property that is beautiful naturally but that I would still be able to leave my fingerprints on it and be able to sort of improve it and beautify what's already there. So it would have the raw ingredients, but then just to take that and just make it more beautiful. So that's another item. The next item here is a piece of property with lots of native trees and maybe even some fruit trees. The idea of buying a piece of property, like I already mentioned about a little bit of forest on the property, native forest, with native trees that just grow there because they're native to that area. They're native to Italy, they're native to that part of Italy. So native trees, but also fruit trees would be a huge bonus. To be able to find a piece of property where someone had maybe planted several 
maybe citrus trees, as you know I love, or apple trees, or just, you know, a fig tree or two, something like that. That's that's a kind of a wish list item because, of course, I can plant my own trees. But to have trees, trees take a long time to grow, some more than others. And to have mature fruit trees would just be fantastic. Okay, so I've already mentioned this one. This I've kind of already t- covered this when I talked about views. But this one is hills. So I didn't want just a f- completely flat piece of land. I wanted something with some different different terrain, some different areas, like different elevations. So I have writ- I wrote down here hills surrounded by them or on them. So I would like some flat areas, but I really would like to have an area that is interesting to look at, interesting to walk, interesting to sort of experience, and not just this flat area with no elevation changes. So anyway, you're picturing this. As I'm building this picture up in your mind, are you building this picture with me? Because I know that you've got an imagination and you can picture this. I'm picturing it too. Okay, so the next item in the list is some flat pasture land for animals. So that means some land that could be used for goats or donkeys or horses or whatever animals, sheep or whatever animals, maybe even pigs. I don't know. Who knows what I'm going to have on this land. I'm probably going to turn into old McDonald and just lose my mind and buy every imaginable animal under the sun because I was raised with animals and I do love animals. I haven't had animals in my life for so many years and I've got kind of a block when it comes to animals because I I just haven't been in a place where I've been able to have them. But to have this land, I would be able to have animals for the first time in my adult life that were my own, not my family's, but my own, and that would just be incredible. So some flat pasture land as well as some hills and some hilly areas, but some flat land would be ideal for growing feed and being able to rotate animals through that area And so that's another one of the items. Okay, I just have three left. So a sunny exposure. So in other words, not an area that maybe at midday falls into the shadow of a hill or a mountain. I wanted an area that was sunny exposure and hopefully facing towards the south that in the summer, winter, spring, and fall, there's sun In the winter, it's really important to have sun hitting your house because it helps to warm the house up. It also helps to warm you up and make you a happier person because you're getting that sunlight that we all need so you don't get so much of that seasonal affective disorder that I've been getting (laughs) since I lived in Italy in these in these buildings and these houses that that are sort of not facing towards the sun. But anyway, a piece of land that's sort of situated and the house situated so that it's facing ideally sort of south. The next item is one that has nothing to do with the farm but more the location generally and that is to be close to a city, not in a city but close to a city or village and a train station. So that's important because to be able to ride your bike, or even walk to a train station. Now, it's not likely to be able to walk to a train station if you have a farm, because you'd have to be really close to the city or just be up for a long walk. But anyway, to be able to just walk, drive, or cycle to a train station would be ideal. 
And I love trains. I love taking trains. And Italy has some of the best trains ever. So, of course, being near a train station is just fantastic. To be able to hop on a train and go somewhere is is a wonderful thing about living in Italy. Okay, so the last item is probably the most silly of all of the items on this list. But it is to have at least one Roman pine tree on the property. Now, I call them Roman pine trees. Vera corrected me the other day and told me that's not what they're called. Stop calling them Roman pine trees. They're not Roman pines. There's a wonderful piece of classical music. I don't even remember who it's by. I want to say maybe Verdi. But there's a wonderful piece of classical Italian music. It's Italian classical music too, I think. And it's called The Pines of Rome. I have always loved the silhouette and the shape of those umbrella-shaped pine trees. Some people call them umbrella pines. Some people call them Roman pines. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Those iconic trees that sort of have a mushroom or umbrella head to them. And they're just iconic. They, they line the streets in different parts of Italy. They line sort of parts of the Amalfi Coast. And just all over Italy. They're, they're all over Rome, of course, which is why some people, like me, call them Roman pines. And so, anyway, this is, a, this is something that can be resolved. If I find a piece of property that doesn't have a Roman pine on it, I can plant one. But the thing about Roman pines is they're slow growers. And to have one already there is really a bonus because you don't have to wait for the one that you plant. Wait 30 or 40 years for it to grow and you're an old man before the time that that happens. So anyway, this is my list. Can you can you now understand? So many of you have reached out and said, have you found your farm yet? Like, what's taking so long? I thought you'd have it by now. Well, so did I. I didn't realize how particular I was, I guess, and how limiting this list of, of wishes was going to be in finding the perfect piece of property. And I say perfect sort of in quotations because it really doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to have some of these items on it. Some of these items, probably the most important top three would be the size of the property, the water on the property, and the location generally of the property. Those would probably be the most important things. Other than that, I could probably figure out the rest of them now. Having shared that with you, here's what I want to share with you that's very exciting. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I've bought the farm, but I think I've found it. Let me give you a little quick story. So I've been searching high and low in multiple regions. As you know, I've been searching in the region of Lazio, the Roman region, a lot more recently. I, I shared with you earlier this, this year, just a few months ago, I went down to Rome and I, I really researched some major areas outside of Rome, about an hour or so outside of Rome, um, an hour or hour and a half or so from Naples. So we could be closer to Naples, which Alessandro loves. We could be close to Rome, which is a wonderful city to be close to because it's wonderful for flying in and out of. If people are coming to visit you, it's very convenient to be close to Rome. It's like the most major airport in Italy. It's one of the most major airports in Europe. So that would be very convenient. And the area outside of Rome, 
Now, Rome itself is very touristy, but the area outside of Rome, the region of Rome itself, is not a touristy region. Certainly not like Tuscany and other regions of Italy that are much more touristy. So I've been searching in both Umbria and Lazio, and I've got probably a hundred plus properties saved on my phone of different properties that are options. I found one that was on the top of a hill and it was 70 acres. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at those views. Look at that house. Look at those outbuildings. And the price was right where it needed to be. A little on the high side, but it was pretty much like manageable. We could have negotiated it down. And then I discovered that the house was condemned. This house that looks so beautiful, but the house is like condemned, I guess. It's had problems structurally and it's not livable, even though it looks very livable. So lots of situations like that where something about it, the property is so wrong, it's, an, it's a non-negotiable deal breaker. The property that I'm referring to that I'm not going to tell you too much about because I don't want to get ahead of myself because I don't want to be disappointed like I have been many times on this journey, but I feel like this time things are different. And you will probably find out in the next season, season six, how things go with this farm. In fact, you will certainly find out how things go with this farm. And maybe by the time I come back in September, I will have some wonderful news about this farm. So I had sort of looked at this property several times, but I'd always just moved past it. Most of the time I'm reading these, these listings in Italian, and it's helping me to be able to understand. I can scan an article now. I can scan a description of a property now in Italian with not translating it, and I know exactly what's going on with that property. So this property I'm talking about, I translated it into English, and it said that the property had basically one acre in size. It looked bigger to me, but it said it was only one acre, so I just didn't even think about it. Well, I started going back through my list of saved properties in the past six months and just revisiting each one and just really making sure, can I mark this off my list? Should I just should I just delete this from my list and just not revisit it? So basically kind of really honing in which, which pieces of property are worth keeping in my mind and which do I need to just let go of. So I revisited these properties and then this particular one came up and I was looking at it and I went to the actual agent's website, not the listing site that I normally look at properties, but I went to the actual agent's site and they had a different, slightly different version of the listing. And when I did that, it said that the property was 30 acres, 30 acres, not one acre, but 30 acres. I was like, how could that have how could that have happened? Like, how could they have gotten that so wrong? Well, when it they had placed a decimal. Italians put decimals and and periods and commas in different places when it comes to numbers than we do. And so the placement of that Italian, I think it was actually a comma or a decimal, I don't even remember, but a period, a comma, a decimal, whatever. The, the location of that had caused the translation of that into English to be incorrect and to basically give the wrong size of the piece of property. And so now all of a sudden, I'm reading this 
And I'm like, my heart is like thumping in my chest. You know that feeling when your heart sort of does this whoosh, drop down to your feet and then back up into your throat? And then this sort of, you know, sort of sort of beats against the, the walls of your chest. That's what happened when I saw this beautiful piece of property that I had always thought kind of looked bigger than one acre. I'm like, man, it looks huge, but maybe I'm just got my perspective is off. Let me tell you what this piece of property has going for it as far as the things on my list. It is bordered by a stream. By the way, I saw this exact stream when I was down visiting that area. I had no idea that this is part of the stream that connected to the area of this particular farm. But yes, I've seen this stream. It's a lovely stream. It's not a river. It's not a brook. It's like literally kind of a stream that is kind of a medium size. It's beautiful. And it's got all these trees. And the stream literally creates the perimeter of the property. So it's almost like on three quarters of the property, there's a stream that creates a natural barrier. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a stream. There's a well. There's also apparently on the property, there's a spring, like a natural spring of water, which is like a major bonus point because how amazing to have your own water out of the ground from a like a like a natural spring. Ooh, that's I'm getting excited just talking about it. Not only did it have a little bit of wild forest, it had like acres and acres and acres of wild forest. It's partially on a hill, so it has views, and it's surrounded by hills, so that's amazing. It has flat area, a big, beautiful, flat land that's bordered by the stream. It has two stone houses on it, one that's a very tiny stone house and another that's like a main house, and they're both stone. It does not have a barn or other outbuildings, but it does have two houses, so that's something, right? I can always build a barn. Remember I wanted an olive grove? This one has three, almost 300 trees, olive trees, in production for olive oil on the property, okay? It also has a very large in-production walnut orchard on the property. Now, you might not remember this, but my family are walnut growers, walnut and almond growers in California. Originally, I grew up in a vineyard. We, we had a vineyard surrounding our house. When we took that vineyard out, we replaced that vineyard with walnuts. And so I grew up basically my teen years into my young adult years at my parents' house. I grew up surrounded by and living in a walnut orchard. So the idea that there's a walnut orchard on this property feels like God has reached down from the heaven and told me, Nathan, this is the farm for you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, I couldn't believe it. A, a working olive grove and a huge, beautiful, in full production walnut orchard. It's on a sunny exposure facing south. So it's on the, the houses are sort of built into the side of a small hill and then laid out in front of the hill is a pasture and then there's a stream. And just a few kilometers away is a beautiful little village. 
beautiful little village that I drove through. Oh my goodness, it even has a castle. It even has a little castle on the top of a hill. And there's a train station. Not all cities in Italy have train stations. This is not a major train station. This is one of those train stations where, you know, you have to wait for a local train to come and it stops, but it still has a train station. It has actually a couple train stations or train stops nearby. That's big. That's huge. I do not believe that it has a Roman pine tree on the property, but then again, I haven't visited this property, so maybe there is a Roman pine tree. I don't know. I can deal with that. It has so many other trees. It has this beautiful forest full of native trees. I can deal with the fact that there's not a native Roman pine tree growing on it. I can plant that. I've gone on and on about this farm. Now you might say, why don't you, why don't you own it yet? Why haven't you bought it yet? Why haven't you gone down to see it in person yet? Well, this property has been sitting on the market for a long time. Price has come down. And I'm waiting for Alessandro to get here so we can go buy it. We literally are talking about this like it's our farm already. Now, I do not want to disappoint you, and I do not want to be disappointed myself if this does not come to fruition. There's going to be a farm in my future. I don't know where yet. I don't know if this is really going to be it, because I just don't know. There are a couple things that I haven't mentioned. I'll save those for another time that make this property a little bit of a challenge, but I think they're very manageable challenges that can be gotten over. They're not deal breaker challenges, they're just logistical challenges. And so anyway, when Alessandro comes, we're gonna be jetting down to that area to look at that farm, and we're gonna probably start negotiations, and by this time next year, I might be well, I hope by this time next year, but maybe by this fall, I will be living at the farm. Oh my gosh, I just can't even. It's been such a long time coming. I've been talking about it with you for years now, and I feel like it's actually gonna happen. But anyway, now you know why I'm such a neurotic person when it comes to finding the perfect piece of property. These are all the reasons I just shared with you. This is a list of 15 items I've just recounted. And there's there's a lot of things here, okay? I mean, you can see, just all it takes is one of these items to cancel out so many different properties. But when you add 15 different filters and parameters to your search, it limits you just to such a few number of, of properties. And that's kind of actually convenient because you realize that you have a limited sort of pool to choose from. But anyway, that's my update on the farm, folks. And I want to share that with you. I realize I've been holding this kind of in my mind and I haven't talked about it because I've been almost afraid to talk about it because it's just felt kind of too far in the distance and a little bit out of reach meaning it's been out of reach as far as like, why talk about it until Alessandro gets here and then I can really share with you. So I don't think I'm gonna be able to share it with you in the three episodes we've got left in this season. However, I might have some fantastic news for you in a couple months, like September. So anyway, we will see. I have some wonderful dreams about what to turn this farm into someday, and I hope that you will be able to come and visit me there on the farm someday, 
and eat some of the food that I grow there and visit the animals and and just spend some time maybe putting your feet in the stream and and just experiencing my little piece of Italian heaven here. Okay, so that brings us to our next segment, of course, which is Vera's segment. And she has some really, really great things to share with you today. Let's jump right into Vera's segment. Here is Vera Sarzano with La Vera Italia. Ciao, Vera. Welcome back to another segment of La Vera Italia. Ciao, Nathan. Come stai? Molto bene, grazie. E tu, Vera? Felicissima di vederti, di parlarti, di stare un po' con te. Wow, grazie. <laughs> uh, just before we started recording, you and I, by the way, we behave like five-year-olds when we're not actually recording. Sometimes we behave like five-year-olds when we are recording, but we just, just revealed a, a personal secret about each other to each other, which is that we, what is it, Veda, you tell we love to walk a piedi nudi. A piedi nudi. Exactly. Barefoot. Naked feet. <laughs> With naked feet. Yeah, that's how we say it in Italian, but it's barefoot. You like to walk barefoot inside your house during the summer. Mm-hmm. And I then do. what about, you like to go outside barefoot too in the summer? Well, I do, not here, just around my house. I have a, a, a small patio with a cotton terracotta tile, so it's fine. But my garden is way too rocky because here it doesn't rain a lot, so I don't have the you know green grass, we don't have sprinklers, so it's really not a garden where I can walk barefoot. But I do that anytime I can, when I'm visiting a park, when I'm at someone's place. I would walk for hours on the beach. And even when I came and visited you in Conegliano and we stopped in Udine first, uh, we went around a couple of little lakes and a river. And even though it was not that hot yet, I took my shoes off and just walked into the river in the freezing cold water. And it was the best feeling ever after a year with my shoes on. Oh, it's the best feeling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't live in a villa like you do, but where I live, there's these marble tile floors and it just feels so good to have your bare feet on those marble floors. It's so, it's like a cooling sort of experience. And then I'll sort of walk out onto my balcony, which is terracotta tiles as well. And it's just, there's just something about it. And, oh yeah, I was raised on growing up on my parents' ranch barefoot all the time so that's just i think i just would prefer to be barefoot all the time if i had the choice <laughs> my mom and dad telling me mettiti le ciabatte mettiti le ciabatte wear your slippers <laughs> wear something but i didn't it's just like it this way <laughs> good deal oh i'm so glad i'm not alone we just both lifted our bare feet up to the camera so we could both show each other that we were bare, but I loved it. Well, Vera, I'm excited to hear what you got to share with us today. You're going to be sharing kind of a, a, a several different kind of random, interesting topics, which I think sometimes random stuff is the most fun stuff to share because it's little bites, little tastes of things. So I'm excited to hear what you've got to say. Before we do that, 
you have an Italian question for me today? Sure, I do. So, è iniziata l'estate. Qual è una cosa che ti piace di questa stagione e qual è invece una cosa che non sopporti? Okay, now that summer is just starting, what is something that you like about summer and something that you don't like about it? Perfect. Wow, amazing. Okay, but we better have you repeat that again because even though thanks to all your amazing Italian language lessons that are helping me with my comprehension and everything, just because, and I'm also looking at your face, so it's easier for me to understand. Why don't you repeat that again a little slower for our listeners? È iniziata l'estate. Qual è una cosa che ti piace di questa stagione? E qual è invece una cosa che non sopporti? È iniziata l'estate? Summer has started. Qual è una cosa che ti piace? What is one thing that you like? Di questa stagione? In this season. E qual è invece? And what is one thing? E qual è invece? So this word, we use invece a lot. It has no exact translation into English. It could mean, on the other hand, instead. But you don't use it as often as we do. So, e qual è invece una cosa che non sopporti? And what's one thing on the other hand that you don't really like about this season? Or, but you use the word supporti. I don't think I've ever heard that word before. What's sopportare? Sopportare oftentimes used in the negative uh, sentences. So, non sopportare is I can't stand something you can't stand about summer. Non sopporto, I don't know, le zanzare. Non sopporto le zanzare. I can't stand mosquitoes, is what you just said. Or, non ti sopporto più. Non ti sopporto più. I can't stand you anymore. Oh, dio mio. No, scherzavo, scherzavo, scherzavo. Okay, let me see if I can answer this question. Uh, something that I love about summer, that's easy. In questa stagione mi piace molto la frutta. Oh, benissimo. E qual è la frutta che preferisci? Oh, Dio, tutti. Let me see if I can do, do them. Okay, cherries are... I always want to call cherries the same word for wild boar. <laughs> As I'm pointing to the fruit, I'm like, where's the wild boar? Here. Ciliegia, ciliegia. Plural ciliegia. Ciliegia is one, is one and ciliegi, ciliegie. 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 Okay. Ciliegie is, is plural. Okay. I love cherries. Um, I don't know exactly how to say peaches, nectarines, apricots, and watermelons and plums. So basically, if it's a summer fruit, I basically like it. 
OK, Pascal, Bicocche, uh, Prugne, Susine, whatever you want to call them anyway. Come to Italy. Va bene. Ok, and uh, una cosa non mi piace in questa stagione è molto caldo. Mm -hmm. Troppo caldo. Troppo caldo, esatto. Non mi piace uh, il tempo quando è troppo caldo. Mm -hmm. Però tu hai l'aria condizionata in casa, vero? Sì, 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 ho bisogno. <ride> E tu, vera? Napoli now. Sì, ho bisogno. Ho bisogno. I need air conditioning. I can't live without air conditioning. I'm imagining my life without it. You need to know that Nathan had his air conditioning on one month ago when I visited, when it wasn't even that hot. And we got into his apartment and Luca, my husband, was like, oh, wow, what a nice, cool apartment. You can tell that, you know, it's on the northern side and he was already thinking. And then we step in one more step and <laughs> a cold wind from the North Pole. And weren't you pleasant? Weren't you? Didn't you feel so pleasant in that cold north wind? Well, we're Italian, so we like cool rooms, not too cold. So were you freezing? Not that night. I was kind of freezing when we, I was watching the movie with you the next day. Why didn't you just ask me to turn it off or for a blanket or something? It's okay. Oh because I'm a good guest. Yeah, you are a good guest. Good to know. I'll remember that. If you next time I spend time with you in May, I'll make sure that I don't have the air conditioner on. I'll be doing no. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And the same question to you, Vera. Um qual è una cosa ti piace in questa stagione? È un uh, non supporto? È una cosa che non sopporto. Mm -hmm. Allora, la cosa che mi piace di più in assoluto è che ci metto un minuto a vestirmi. Ah, mi lavo vestita. Un attimo. So, how quick I can get dressed, you know? Because in winter I'm freezing, so I'm like in front of the radiator or whatever, and you start with the socks and the pantyhose, whatever, and then one layer and another layer and another layer, and oh, it takes forever. But in the summer, I wake up, I just, you know, take my pajama out in one movement, get, you know, under the shower, and then one movement, my dress is on, I'm ready to go. That's just the best part. Amazing. And one thing I can't stand about summer is that, yeah, people. <laughs> there are <laughs> people. Got it. <laughs> They're different in the summer or they appear in the summer? Okay, sorry. I'm really tired today, and this is kind of my. 
drunken, tired, drunk. Uh, <laughs> okay, so people, because there are more of them, they get on more, they're louder, and they wear less clothes on because it's quicker to get dressed in the summer. We cover that. And they stand closer to you and they're loud and they sing and they dance and you can see their bodies and yeah, people. You can see their bodies? Have you ever seen a man in a tank top? Oh yeah, that's holding not- Holding on to the bar. I don't want to see that. There's very few, yeah, there's very few men that should wear tank tops. Anyone that really should wear tank tops, but Oh, uh, we're going to have to have a conversation sometime about <laughs> people. <laughs> how, you really, how you really feel about the different sizes and shapes of people that show up in Italy during the summer. That sounds like a whole other juicy topic for another time. <laughs> Una cosa che non mi piace dell'estate è che fa troppo caldo. Is that better? It's too hot? No, like no. No, I prefer the answer that you gave before. That was a much more interesting answer. People. <laughs> yeah. Good points. Okay. Well, grazie mille, Vera. That was a great question. And I'm going to turn it over to you now. And let's hear what you have to share about your recent travels to Northern Italy. So you know how I've been kind of a hermit for the past two years and a half because of COVID first, obviously, and then my back and the infection I had going on so I couldn't travel. And that doesn't help my introvert nature. You can tell by the way I said people, but now that I'm getting out of my comfort zone, which is my living room, by the way. Uh, and I'm seeing more people and traveling more. After almost three years, it's like, huh, now I see things that, you know, maybe I just didn't realize were there before, or maybe they're new. I don't know, but it's just random things that I want to share with you. So I recently went to Lake Como. Last week, I was there for my sister-in-law's birthday party. She turned 50. And on the way there, actually on the way back, uh, we, Luke and I, stopped at an autogrill. Autogrill. So, you know, the restaurants, shops uh, on the autostrade in Italy, on the highways, right? There's one every, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 maybe 40 kilometers anyway, every half an hour. And usually we stop at the next one, but I was checking on um, Google Maps and there was traffic ahead, so I didn't want to be stuck in traffic needing to go to the bathroom. So I said, okay, now let's stop here. So we stopped in Modena, Modena. A very nice city, famous for food and so on. And I forgot that that was, that is a very special autogrill because it's Italy. I don't even know how to pronounce that, Italy. <laughs> That's correct. You, you pronounce it correctly the way we want to pronounce it, I guess, the way it's spelled. Mm -hmm. Italy, like the word eat, for the, mm -hmm. those few people who don't know what Italy is, it's the word eat 
combined with Italy. So it's sort of like Italy. Mm -hmm. And what is it, Vera? Explain what it is. Well, it started, uh, if I remember correctly, in 2015 for Expo, 2015 in Milan. So, you know, the great exposition that it's held every few years around the world, actually. The same for which the Tour Eiffel was built back in the days. So, oh, are, you, was, are, you talking about, are you talking about a World Fair? Yeah. Oh, the World Fair. Okay. They call it. it Expo or Great Exposition. Anyway, oh, Expo. Okay. Okay, okay. I think, yeah, I was, I didn't, wasn't sure what that was, but I think we call it World Fair. Got it. Okay. The World Fair in 2015, and it was held in Milan. Okay. So we came up with this concept, with this idea. Uh, so the whole World Fair was in Italy and was about the different nations in the world, and I think most of them related to food. And well, we came up with this idea, Italy. So the most Italian thing, Italian food, let's give it an English name and a weird one because we can't pronounce it as Italians. There's no difference for us in pronouncing Italy. Welcome to Italy, my friend. And let's eat at Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just for our benefit as foreigners. Yeah. And I heard back then a lot of Italians say, why is it spelled like that? What is Eatali? What is that Eatali? Because that's how we would read that in Italian. Anyway, it's a shop. It's a shop where you can find the best Italian products, foods, drinks, beverages, candies, whatever. And it started in Milan and now it's kind of a chain. There's this Alto Green in Modena, probably a few more around Italy, but there's Italy almost everywhere in the world now. New York, London, Dubai, you know, these fancy places. Have you ever been to Italy, Nathan? I have. And in fact, Alessandro was offered a job to be uh, one of the, like, was he what was he uh, one of the, the owner of the one in new york he was either the owner or somebody he was the president of it i don't know it's been a few years so i don't remember but he met alessandro and he offered him a job being like a some kind of a liaison kind of job between italy and italy that i was like i at the time i was like maybe you should take that job because that sounds like kind of a fun job <clears throat> but no i haven't I've never been to any of the ones in Italy, and I almost don't think I want to go because I feel like it's just totally not. I don't know. Is it? I feel like it's not for Italians, but you would know because you've been to the one here. So tell us about it. Okay, so what I can tell you about it is that it is for Italians. Italians were lighting up in front of the first Italy easily back in 2015 and i've been there a couple of times the one in milan and this one and it has the best products from italy and then some just you know things that are normal for us but they are very special if you live abroad now i want to talk about italy for a reason but i need to tell you a story first my grandparents were born in Piedmont, 
in the Monferrato area. They got married there, and then after, uh, after, right after World War II, and then, you know, they were kind of struggling because, yeah, the crisis after World War II. So before my father was born, they moved to Prague in Czech Republic. My father was born there, and then they came back to Italy, lived here and there, and finally, when they retired, they went back to Piedmont. So for as long as I know my grandparents, they always lived in Piedmont and I grew up there because I spent most of my summers there and we always went there for Christmas and Easter and birthdays. So yeah, Piedmont, right? And the town where they were from, I mean, the closest town is Casale Monferrato. Nothing special there, I mean, nice, Centro Storico, but nothing more, right? But it's famous for a special kind of cookies that were invented there 200 years ago or something. And these cookies are still sold today by, uh, I wouldn't even call it a factory because it's in the very center of uh, Casale Monferrato and it's more of a bakery. Yeah, it's just a, you know, artisan shop where they made this amazing cookies called Krumiri with a K. Krumiri, Krumiri. Now, if you go to any supermarket or shop in Italy, you will find Krumiri. They're just like regular cookies shaped like a sort of upside down V. I don't know, kind of like this. Normal cookies, you know? But those are not the original ones. The original ones are from Casale Monferrato. And when I met Luca and I saw in his kitchen some regular crubiri, just like factory crubiri, I was like, don't eat that ever again. That is not a cookie you want to eat because that's not a comino. That's terrible. That's the worst thing. And he was like, yeah, I know it's. No, you don't know. And I brought him some Crumiri, and that's when he decided I would be his girlfriend. So it was not me, it was the Crumiri. That's how good the Crumiri are, okay? The original ones. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Now, I had Crumiri for 38, 39 years of my life until it was 2019. Um, Luke and I went to Casale Monferrato. We always do that. It's sort of our tradition since my grandparents passed away. We go there between Christmas and New Year's Eve. We buy crumiri. We go to the cemetery and leave some flowers, you know, and we just buy another few things and then we go back home. Well, 2019, we couldn't find crumiri. The shop where, where they actually make them was closed and usually it's always open during that time of the year but they are sold in every single cafe and you know shop there even the butcher has them because it's where they make them right and we went in every single shop and cafe in the centro storico and outside and we even stopped at the auto grill just on the autostrada on the way home home and we couldn't find them we went back home with no crumiris. And I wasn't kidding, because we usually open them on New Year's Eve, you know, it's kind of a tradition. And I was like, this is the first New Year's Eve without crumiri. 
it's the end of the world. Well, guess what? It was 2019 going into 2020. So I wasn't that wrong. Something major happened. Maybe not because of my committee, but still. <laughs> anyway, we we didn't know what to think because we were like, what what happened? How come we couldn't find this committee? It's unbelievable. They've always been there and it's the first time we always brought many. Well, anyway, 2020, Christmas 2020, we couldn't go there because in Italy we still had restrictions, so we couldn't drive to another region. No community, but I found them in Milan and I was super happy and I bought one box. They were a little bit more expensive than in Casale Monferrato, but that was okay, you know, just a couple of euros more. Anyway, 2020 New Year's Eve was saved. And then 2021, we went back to Casale Monferrato. We couldn't find them again. There was another shop that opened making Cromiri, but not the original one. The original ones are Portinaro, Portinaro, okay. And they weren't that good. But we found them in a shop just outside the Centro Storico. It was kind of the last box, but okay. And last year, I didn't go outdoors because of my back, but my parents did before coming here. And I couldn't find them. And they were like, no, that's impossible. It's way before Christmas, okay? Not after Christmas like we usually do. And they went there like the perfect day, but couldn't find those cookies. Okay, why am I telling you all this? Because I'm afraid because I think I've guessed the answer and I'm horrified about the answer. Mm -hmm. I got into Italy the other day and I was kind of rushing through to get to the toilet and I saw the red box. These cookies come in the best boxes ever. You have the more expensive box, which is metal, like a tin, and or you can get the carton, but it's still red and white with a very old picture on it. It's the same box. It's been the same box for two centuries. So it's really unique and historical, obviously and Crubiri Rossi, because Rossi was the first name, but now they're made by Portinaro in Casale Monferrato, and they were there. A pyramid of boxes, Crubiri, both boxes, the cartons and the tin ones, and I was like, great, so I'm just going to the toilet real quick, and then I'll grab a couple of boxes. Luca will be so happy, big surprise. It's not New Year's Eve, but it can be our New Year, starting June 30, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, that's going to break. So came back from the bathroom, saw the pyramid, and I was like, 30 euro for half a kilogram cookies when they usually cost 12 euro? Uh-uh. I left them there. There was the tiny box, the tiniest they have in the shop, and it's uh, 250 grand. So it's really just one, one serving of cookies. In the metal box for 25 euro and the carton box with half a kilogram cookies, so it's a little bit more, it's, it's the right size, but for 30 euro, that's, I mean, they are the best cookies you can get, but still it's flour eggs and butter three ingredients not even that expensive you can't do that so i went like 
Okay, that's why I cannot find Cromili Rossi in Casale Monferrato. Because they're selling them. No one in Casale Monferrato and the surrounding area where my grandparents used to live would spend 30 euro for a box of Cromili. It's something they've always had there something they could find very easily obviously they've always been a little bit more expensive than your regular cookies but still they were special so you paid a little bit more but it was still very very affordable you know every family has at least 10 of those metal boxes i'm looking i don't know if you can tell but i'm looking up there because i have one on top of my kitchen where i keep you know um your buttons and the sewing kit or whatever i keep some cookie cutters in there so it's just good but very common cookies so nobody in that area would spend that much money on a cookie they've always had for way less but the rest of the world got to know the real deal thanks to italy and now they they want it because the rest of the world is like yeah this is good so i want it too so obviously this Portinaro factory, what are they doing? Why should they sell regular price to the locals when they can sell for double the price all over the world? So here it is. Italy has some of the best Italian authentic, amazing products, but what's the cost? You are stealing those from us. I mean, these Cromini Rossi are so special to me, I know. Uh, but you see, even Luca from Milan had no idea these were the original ones. He just knew the, you know, the brand there, Bistefani, you know, like a common brand here in Italy or just as a general cookie, but he didn't know the original ones. And when he tried those, he was like, you're right, I'm never going to buy the regular ones in my life again. In Italy, we have so many authentic local delicacies like Crumiri that nobody knows except the people living in that area or who visit that area. But now, thanks to Italy, thanks to Instagram and all this, you know, food porn online and talking about food and food and saying, oh, this is authentic, this is authentic. Yeah. Their production is small, obviously. It's a tiny shop. And if they try to make more, they wouldn't taste that good because they use the old oven in the city center. So they can't make more than that. So here it is. No community for me, more community for you in Dubai, New York, London, Paris, Sydney. And I don't know where else. Oh my so, gosh, we hate that. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, if I'm in Italy and I see an American shop, where I can find the original root beer to make floats. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but yeah, I would be excited when I see a shop that has authentic food or even something else, um, clothes or whatever from a specific area that I know and I recognize that it's exactly the one I wanted, I buy it. I wow. did it a month ago. I bought some cookies from the Netherlands. So the original ones I have there, now they have an online shop and they started delivering in Italy. So here you order them. And it's like, yeah, it's a good thing, but, mm -hmm. but. 
Krumiri. Now you've got us all hungry for Krumiri. We're all going to be dying, and we're all going to go to Italy, and we're going to buy all these $30 boxes and tins of cookies, and that's going to make it even harder to get them because whether you're in New York or anywhere in the United States or the world, we're just going to keep the production just up. That's kind of a little bit sad, actually kind of a lot sad. But you mentioned only three ingredients. And I have to say, flour, it can't just be flour, butter, and eggs. It has to be some sugar in there too, right? Oh, I probably forgot sugar. Let me check. Yes, there's sugar. Are you going to get the box right now to look at the ingredients? It's empty, but it's here. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a very iconic box. Mm -hmm. And there's a, um, a pamphlet inside. It's white and all printed in red, like it was printed back in the 1800s, so no graphic design, nothing. And it's the story of the first factory called the Rossi and then Portinaro bought it. And there are two poems written back at the time that kind of ridiculous but my grandfather had me learn them by heart and say them if i wanted a crumiri after lunch and so casale l'industria ben rinomata per i dolci crumiri di cui è dotata so you see i even know that little, little, the poem in there but still let me see how cool i love this Marina di grano tenero tipo zero so we have flour not too grounded because it's zero not double zero mm -hmm sugar and fresh eggs that's it that's it when i say that in italy we eat healthy food even when we eat dessert that's what i mean yeah that's it four ingredient cookies wow see you can't get four ingredient anything in the united states i think even potatoes have more than one ingredient <laughs> well now i'm craving crumiri modern tourism is changing the internet changed everything, and then social media changed again. Mm -hmm. So we have all these different things coming, and then you've got big companies realizing, wow, I don't need to sell to my poor locals. I'll sell to my global audience and, like you said, make a lot more money. So you can't hardly blame them. It feels like Italy as you grew up knowing it and as your your parents and your grandparents grew up knowing it is disappearing we're in the last of the real italy it's it's not going to ever completely go away there are things that are changing in a way that'll never go back we're never going to go back to the way things were and i guess that's the way time always has been history doesn't move backwards it moves forwards but as a local Italian, you're noticing things that we as foreigners would never notice. Yeah, I totally agree with you. There is no coming back. And the sad part is that I'm actually happy if around the world there's more awareness about Italian best products. It could be food, it could be fashion, you know, anything. We have very good uh, fabrics and shoes and cars, so whatever because not that long ago, people thought that in Italy, we had spaghetti meatballs all the time, right? But we know that's not a thing. So I'm really happy to share our culture with the rest of the world. 
And well, you said it, you wrote a great article about it. Mediterranean diet is way better. We have healthier food. So I'm really glad to share it. But I'm not happy when I don't have it anymore because you do. You see, I'm happy to share, not to give it away. Because this is my identity. I mean, I really love Crumiri. There are other amazing cookies in Italy, okay? But obviously, Crumiri have a sentimental value to me because it was my grandparents, it was the cookies I had growing up. And now, thinking that not only me, but all the kids visiting their grandparents right now won't experience this, won't learn by heart the poem that is inside this box that was written back in the 1800s just because that same box is in Dubai, New York or London and it's just thrown away because people don't understand Italian so there's no point in reading it it's just a pity I mean I would love for the rest of the world to well come here and enjoy what they can and learn from us and then do the same there you can bake four ingredient cookies in the United States. You don't need to take ours. Just come here, taste them, look at the ingredients and say, oh, wow, why don't we make a cookie? We call it Krumairi and it's, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but don't take what is ours. But I would do the same if I was an American or a foreigner visiting Italy, I would bring those cookies home. So I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying that it's kind of sad because now who knows what is really, you know, authentic. If kids right now in the Casale Monferrato area have no idea what crumiri are, the real rossi ones, because there are just a few boxes available a couple of days a year. And other shops opened in Casale making a cookie that has the same shape, of course, same ingredients, but it's not exactly that it's not made in that oven so it's not that special i'm sorry i tried them all and they're not as special as the crumini rossi they will never know them so what is going to happen in 50 years who is gonna easily sell those cookies to if nobody recognizes them because now i've seen them there i've seen this them in this big italy on the autostrada and i was like Oh my God, Crumini Rossi. But who's going to do that in 20 years? If nobody remembers, because I don't know, let's say they make 100,000 boxes a year and not a single Italian gets to see them or taste them because they are shipped all over the world. Who's going to say, oh yeah, that's an authentic, real good Italian brand if Italians don't know them anymore? Hmm. Now, now we're all going to start crying about these crumiri. They're disappearing. <laughs> so sad. I mean, it's not that we're taking them as foreigners or as tourists or as people stopping in an auto grill that just happened to stop at an Italy or go to your local Italy in Manhattan. It's not that we're stealing them. It's that Italians are giving them, Italian businesses are giving them and I don't think, like you said, you said it perfectly, I don't mind sharing, I just don't want to lose them. Mm -hmm. That's the sad thing. Now, here's my question to you. We're talking about a very small shop with a limited amount of production. Hey, 
I got to say, if I was that business owner, it'd be really hard for me not to sell where I can double my profits at least. But do you think that this is something that's going to be happening in a lot greater numbers because in Italy, everything is in fairly small quantities? Do you think this is just one example of many or do you feel feel like this is one sort of random example that doesn't represent a sort of like, I don't know, growing issue? This is just one of many examples. Mm -hmm. This is one of many. I know this brand very well and I follow them for the past for decades and actually for three or four generations now. So I know what I'm talking about. But let's take another example that I personally witnessed. Uh, a kind of pasta, uh, a brand of pasta, Rummo, Rummo, R-U-M-M-O. It's a good pasta. There are a lot of good brands in Italy, obviously. It's a good pasta. I tried once and I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. This pasta is amazing. I'll switch to that. And I couldn't find it in my first supermarket. And then I found it in a bigger one. And that went on for a year or two. And then they started expanding. And now they sell in South America, I think United States and even Australia. They have their Instagram pages with the different, you know, Rumo Italia, Rumo America, and so on. And they're producing a lot of it. And it was an amazing pasta. It still is. And it was fairly cheap. Now it doubled in price since the first time I bought it. And I'm not sure, I'm not saying that that's the way it is, but I'm not sure they can produce that much pasta, you know, to be sold all over the world with the same quality. The one I buy here in Italy, because sometimes I still buy that, it's still very good, but I can't guarantee and also, is that sustainable? We are talking about, you know, saving the planet and whatever. Is it sustainable to have pasta from Italy to be shipped all over the world? I mean, it's two ingredients, once again. I guess you can learn how we make it and make it where you are. I don't know. Yeah, but see, the problem is... Italy has such high food standards. And so when people taste something from Italy, they do taste the difference. When they taste really good olive oil from here, they do taste the difference. When they taste non-GMO wheat in the pasta or the bread or whatever they're getting or the cookies, they do taste a difference because it does taste different. Everything, like you metabolize it differently. It's like the whole food chain here in Italy is different. And so, yeah, I think that I feel like this is not going to go anywhere but more of an extreme direction. I'm definitely going to be keeping my eyes out for Krumiri. And if I ever see them, I'm going to be buying them by the box and the tin, no matter what the price is. And I'm going to be heading straight to Tuscany with them. Crumiri Rossi, because all the other crumiris are not good. Okay. Crumiri Rossi. Well, now that I've seen the box, I know what they look like. I'm going to be watching for them. So I'll just be contributing to the problem. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, what else did you discover while you were out roaming around northern Italy for the first time in three years? Well, this is not about um, northern Italy in particular. It's actually about all Italians. And it's something I knew already. But for the past three years, I had been sort of a hermit. And uh, with my previous job and even with my coaching you know, job, I spend more time with foreigners than with Italians. So I kind of lost touch with the reality. I mean, I live here. I'm from here. But yeah, I'm not around Italians that much. And I noticed this while having um, lunch with my in-laws and, you know, Luca's sister before her birthday to celebrate together. And she told a story, a nice story. It was very funny. We, very short one too. We laughed. Ha 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 ha, you know, typical Italian. And she repeated it. Exactly the same, just changing a few words. And everyone listened and everyone laughed. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. Italians repeat everything twice. Have you noticed this, Nathan? Uh, yeah, I have noticed a little bit of repetition. <laughs> Not Alessandro, he's not a repeater, but some of his family, I've noticed, tends to do that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you know, like when you're at home, silence over me, and then all of a sudden you notice a noise, I don't know, a, 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 your sink, your faucet dripping or something, and you can't just focus on anything else because you only hear that sound and it seems like the worst sound in the world. Well, Luca's sister telling that story twice, like just right after the one, right after the other. And I was like, that's what we do. And I sort of got my ears out for that. And it happened all the time with everyone I met from the lady at the shop to the, my old friends that I met from our neighbor and everybody is repeating things twice. And I don't know what to do. I mean, I, the first time, of course, I listen, but what about the second time? What am I supposed to do? Should I tell you, hello, I know you just told me, or should I just, you know, nod mm -hmm, and go, oh yeah. But what is the reason behind it? Why did they repeat everything? Maybe because the first time they said something, they had, you know, a good response from their audience. I don't know, it was funny or, you know, shocking, whatever their intent behind their words was. So they want to feel the thrill again. I don't know, but I don't know how to react. I'm so self-conscious at that point because I'm like, okay, let's say it's a joke or something. I can't laugh like I did the first time. I know the joke already. So, <laughs> and this is something that often happens. And I just wanted to tell you that if you hear people repeating stuff twice, it's not to your benefit. It's not for you because you're a foreigner and you poor foreigner, you don't understand anything. So we need to repeat everything twice. Nope. It's just for what we do. And there is a lady actually here, not in Northern Italy, at the bakery where I go and buy my bread most of the time. And I call, Luke and I have this nickname for her. We have nicknames for everyone. Anyway, we have this nickname for her. It's Latin and it's Repetita Juvent, 
I don't know if you use the same Latin phrase in English. No. So, repetita, so to repeat things, uh, it's a benefit for you. It's good for you. So it's something you use. It's a quote, it's a phrase, a Latin phrase we use to say something like, oh, it's very important, you know, to practice. Sort of like practice makes perfect. Or if I really want to make myself clear, I repeat everything and say at the end, repetita juvant. So you really listen to me and now you know what you have to do. But so this lady at the bakery, she that's I, I should make a uh, surrounding sound for you next time I go there. That's how it goes. I'm like, good morning, good morning. How can I help you? I would like two slices of focaccia, please. Two slices of focaccia. Yes, please. Did you say focaccia? Yes. So she gives you, and she goes, two slices of focaccia right here. It was focaccia, right? Yeah. And at first, I thought maybe, you know, she was working there to, you know, have people with some disabilities. It was a fun thing. But no, they all do like that in that shop. They repeat and repeat and repeat. And you're like, yeah, that's what I said. So yeah, we, we talk a lot in general as Italian. We repeat the same concept twice to make a point. And then we forgot to tell you the most important things. Like, I don't know, like there's a party tomorrow and we meant to invite you, but we forget. I mean, not that we forget. So that's another problem. That's something that happened to me this week. And I was like, oh, so that show was this weekend? But I I can't. I, I was I didn't know on Friday. I was working on Saturday and Sunday. So and they were like, it's always been the third weekend of June. And I was like, and how am I supposed to know? Last year it was in July. Oh yeah, but only last year. And I was like, two years ago and three years ago, there was no show because of COVID. So the last time it was in June, it was five years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's always been like that. Like, yeah. So you see, but the same person who forgot to tell me about this show is the same person that tells me everything about their personal life, mm -hmm. that shares every single detail. And it's like, how can you talk about the most unimportant things and forget something that important so if you're a foreigner here in italy and you feel left out because oh wow there was a big party in town and you were not invited they didn't forget to invite you they just thought you you knew because everybody knows there was a party in town but then the same person might find you walking your dog or something the next day and tell you everything about their dog and their problems you know maybe the dog has diarrhea or something and tell you twice in detail all the problems the dog had and yet forget to tell you about the party it's not you it's us <laughs> oh i feel like that's probably good information to have and i wondered i did wonder when some of alessandro's family repeats stories i wondered if they were doing it for my benefit and as far as not getting invited to things i haven't experienced that one yet but i'm sure that that my day is coming 
What is another thing that you want to share with us, Veda? It's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of embarrassing because <laughs> we got lost and we got into a road we were not supposed to and we, yeah, got lost again. Like real, you know, farmers who haven't been to the city in three generations. That's what happened to us. But it's not our fault. Let me tell you. We were driving back home from that party that night. So it was, I don't know, 2 a.m. maybe, something like that. Uh, all very dark, obviously, no many cars around. And it, it's a new road. Okay, and the, the party was not in the town where Lucas' sister lives, so we were never, we had never been there in that specific area, but it's okay. I mean, we are from here, we see signs, we know where we are going, so no problem. And it was like, oh yeah, look there, perfect. That's, that's the road, that's where we need to go. And we realized we were in an autostrada or a tangentiale, whatever, anyway, a tall road, a, a road we were supposed to pay but there were no tall boats so we were like okay they were just but it looked like an autostrada and the signs were green like it happens in an autostrada and Luca was like oh man this is the holiday jockey but it's different what's going on and just with a corner of my eye I saw a sign in Italian only saying you need to have telepass which is a machine a tiny machine most Italians have it's like a automatic, you know, um, machine with a GPS with your plane number. Anyway, you pay directly, so you get next to when you approach the toll booth, the bar just opens. They read your plate, and the bar just opens, and you can go into. The we don't have that because here where we live in Tuscany, there are no autostrade. We just ride on autostrade a few times a year, so we don't need that. Anyway, the sign was only in Italian. It was like if you don't have telepaths go on our website no website there no not even that if you don't have a telepass you need to pay within 15 working days and i was like how and that was only in italian and a small sign here or there and because we are italian and we've driven around a lot we knew what those cameras were for like to get your plate number and stuff but how can a foreigner possibly know this so we got out and long story short, the next day I went online and it wasn't easy for me to find the exact website because I didn't know the number of that road. Uh -huh. For me, it was like, yeah, okay, so I'm here. I had to go on Google Maps, find where we were driving. And luckily I knew, but because I'm from there, so I knew exactly where that was. And it's like, oh yeah, it's the Saturday job. So I went on Google again and searched for Pede Montana, Superstrada, Pagamento, Pedaggio, all in Italian. And finally, I got into this website and I had to register. I had to put my email address and choose a password and literally log in to finally pay 70 cents. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But if I hadn't paid after 15 days, they would have, you know, when they have to play number because of those cameras. And then I think it's like 20 euros only because you didn't pay and then it goes more and more and whatever. I'm totally fine with paying. I mean, it's taxes. I saw you maintain the roads, it's fine. But 
make it easy on us and make it easy on tourists. We live like most of our economies. Economy is based on the fact that the rest of the world loves us and they come here and visit and they buy our cremini. So let's make things simple for those poor foreigners who speak no Italian and are driving in a country where they're not used to drive, right? If it happened to me, I'm pretty sure you would have just driven that road all the way to Como or wherever it brings without even realizing you were supposed to pay. Yeah, but you know what I think? I'm curious. I'm not sure because it's been a little bit of time since I've rented a car here in Italy. A lot of times the cars that you rent in Italy come with those passes. Mm -hmm. All they have to do is just bill the rental company and that rental company still has your credit card on file and they will charge your card. So they always get paid and they probably get paid a lot more from the tourists who don't do it correctly. But Okay, then what if a tourist actually moves here and buys a car or has a car like you do? Well, then they're screwed like me getting tickets all the time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even, I don't even want to tell you how many tickets I've got in the past year. Well, thank you so much, Vera, for sharing some of the observations you've had while traveling around Italy for the first time since the pandemic and the story about the Ivi Scotti Crumieri Rossi. And keep your eyes out for those at Italy. I know we all want to taste those now that we've heard about it, talk about them. And of course, talking about Italians repeating themselves and getting lost and having problems on the road. It's all very helpful as always, Vera. So thank you so much. If you appreciate Vera as much as I do, and you'd like to thank her for her incredible first person, local Italian perspective on things here in Italy, then go to her website, tikkenlanguage.com. You can buy her a coffee to say thank you. That's C-H-I-C-C-H-E language.com. And of course, you can, while you're there, sign up for some of her one-on-one -on -one or group Italian language courses. Vera is my Italian language course. I Vera is my Italian language teacher, and I meet with her twice a week. And I got to say... It's been a game changer. Thank you so much, Vera. I look forward to being back here with you next week for another segment of La Vera Italia. No, thank you. Thank you for having me here and for letting me vent about the fact that I miss Crumieri so much. Ci vediamo presto. I hope to share a box of Crumieri with you soon. Ciao, ciao. Non vedo l'ora. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Thank you so much, Vera, for another wonderful segment. We love it when you come and share your really firsthand knowledge about Italy in a way that we could never really understand without your help. So thank you, Vera. I want to quickly thank our sponsors, ExpressVPN and Babbel Language. I'm going to keep this really short today for the sponsor shout out. You know you need both of these products. If you're planning to move to Italy, you need Babbel language because you need to learn Italian. Go to imovingtoitaly.com. You can save up to 60% off a lifetime membership, between 50 and 60% off, depending on what promotions they're running. Thank you to Babbel language for sponsoring us. Also, ExpressVPN. 
it allows me to do things here in Italy I would not be able to do without it. So it's a no-brainer. It's a deal breaker. You can't do Italy without a VPN. Check out ExpressVPN. Go to imovingtoitaly.com. You get three months for free when you sign up for a one-year program. It's very reasonable. It's only about $9 a month. So thank you to ExpressVPN for being one of our wonderful sponsors. And that brings us to our surrounding sound for today's episode. Today we have sort of a special surrounding sound because it's not from me this time. Vera was just talking about visiting her family up here in northern Italy, in Lake Como, and she was going to her cousin's 50th birthday party. So this is some surrounding sounds from that birthday party that Vera sent me, and I was so excited to get them, and I was like, we are definitely going to include this in the podcast. So thank you, Vera, for sharing these sounds with us today. Here are Vera's surrounding sounds from Lake Como at her cousin's birthday party. Enjoy. I'll be back afterwards to say goodbye. how to party like the Italians. I'm telling you, they have more fun at parties than we do. And if you ever have the good fortune of attending an Italian party, you will agree that nobody celebrates better than the Italians. Thank you so much for coming back and sharing another episode with me today. I really, really enjoyed recording this today with you. And I have to tell you, when I first sat down today, I've been so overwhelmed with work. I've been spending so much time in front of the computer. And I've been sort of struggling today 
with this particular recording until that is I sat down to record because when I was able to talk about my farm with you I escaped this apartment I escaped my computer and I was transported to a beautiful place with you so thank you so much for sharing that with me my friend wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice today I hope you are healthy and well and I look forward to being back here with you next week for another episode so until then take care God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.